Good morning. You can make your way back to your seats. A lot of excitement today. Part of it comes with the aspect of we face a new year with full of new possibilities and new hopes and dreams and goals. We certainly have those spiritually, which is one of the reasons why we take one of the first weeks of January each year and we designate it as a week of prayer. And uh, again, starting tonight from 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock and on uh, Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday evening we'll be having our regular activities, although for the adults we probably will be focusing a little bit on prayer. Uh, And then Thursday and Friday night we will conclude our week of prayer. And and I'm going to give some instructions throughout uh, the message this morning on, on how we are to pray for one another. How are we to pray for one another? I recognize that um, prayer is a mystery to most of us. Even those of us who have been uh, walking with Christ for some length of time, the aspect of, of having a conversation in God that can move His power and move His will uh, and unlock mysteries to us is, is oftentimes difficult to figure out. I'm guessing that probably most of us believe in prayer. Um, even though we also, most people would admit that they don't feel they're very good at it. Uh, Oftentimes, I think probably we would all state that we don't do enough of it. We don't enter uh, into prayer as often as we would desire. There was a survey that was taken recently that said that the average church member spends four minutes a day in prayer and the average minister spends seven minutes a day in prayer. For people that would indicate that prayer is such a vital aspect of communicating with God and receiving from Him and speaking to Him, you would think that uh, more than seven minutes or four minutes a day would be something that we would be involved in. There was a book that was written by a man by the name of C. Richard Meyer, and he gave reasons for uh, the lack of prayer, and, and the book was called One Anothering. He said, first of all, one of the reasons that the church fails to enter in, and when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about individuals that call themselves part of the body of Christ, is that for the most part, we don't know how to pray. We probably are pretty good at asking God for the things that we need, but as a result of just being in communication with Him, that we don't know how to pray. And in fact, for our younger generation, it's becoming even more difficult because they are becoming a generation of texters rather than speakers. And as a result of that, we are losing the ability to verbally communicate with one another, and we're losing the ability to articulate, even to the Lord sometimes, the thing that we feel within our heart that we want to express to Him. There's other people that feel as if, I don't know where to begin, I don't know how to to do it, I'm not sure what to say, as if there are certain words that the Lord would respond to, and if you can find those key words, then you've unlocked the door to a secret, and if you don't, then He just kind of keeps the door and says, you know... Until you know how to approach me, I'm not going to respond to you. And all of those things are fallacies. Second reason that many people don't pray is because, frankly, deep down inside, they're just not sure that prayer works. They're just not sure if prayer accomplishes anything. I don't know if we would want to admit this publicly, but we probably have all, at one point or another, felt that on the inside And deep down, we might think that prayer is a nice religious thing to do because it makes us feel better, but what does it really accomplish? Does it really move the hand of God? Do do we really believe that prayer unleashes the power of God? 
Because if we did, we would probably enter into a prayerfulness more often. The third thing that Myers mentioned is, is sometimes we don't pray because we have a faulty concept of God. Some people believe that God is a cosmic killjoy who's just waiting to tell you what you cannot do in life, who is waiting to rob you of everything that would bring joy to your life and a happiness to your life and that he just wants to kill your fun. That certainly is a faulty view of God, and, but yet many hold that. And the other view of God as it relates to prayer is that some consider God as this colossal vending machine and that his sole purpose of existence is that when we put in a little prayer that he gives us back out exactly the number that we pushed. And, and if he doesn't, then we start kicking against him, hoping that something will fall out of heaven and land to our benefit. But the problem is that's not how it works. A right view of God, as we prepare ourselves to enter into a time of seeking Him in prayer, is to recognize that He's our Heavenly Father, who is a great parent, who understands our request, who hears us when we speak, who knows what is good for us, who gives us the desires of our heart, but also knows the things to protect us from as it relates to our prayer. And understanding that God is a heavenly parent will have an effect on how we pray and how we desire to pray. I read something this week that I had to underline in a book, and it's one of those quotes that I've had to pull out of a book, and I I try to keep quotes that really speak to me on a sheet of paper and, and use them throughout the year. But this particular quote stuck in my heart as it relates to prayer. It says, so often we approach prayer asking God to do something for us, but have you ever approached prayer asking God, what is he dreaming about you? Have you ever approached prayer asking God, God, what are you dreaming about me? Because his plans are so far higher than ours and his ways are so far higher than ours that oftentimes within our prayer we seek a far lower level than what he desires of us. Another reason we don't pray often is because we're self-reliant, too self-sufficient, and we're overconfident in our own abilities, and sometimes we just find ourselves as we're too busy. Nevertheless, whatever objections and struggles or hesitancies regarding prayer, they do not change the fact that we are called to pray. And I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. And I'm going to read verses 6 through 19. And as I do, I want you to picture this scene with me because this is a very intimate scene that's taking place between Jesus and his Father. Jesus is nearing the end of his earthly life and there are some qualities within this prayer that I want to unlock for just a few minutes this morning before I lead us into a time of of sharing needs with one another and even perhaps praying with one another. John chapter 17, beginning with verse 6, says this. This is Jesus speaking. I have revealed you to those who you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I 
am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. The glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, kept them safe. By that name you gave me, none has been lost except one doomed to destruction so that the Scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth of your, uh, by the word of your truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Father God, as we just approach this prayer, I ask that you would begin to reveal to us aspects of this that we can begin to use as we pray for others and that the importance of prayer would begin to be elevated within our heart. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We often know of the Lord's Prayer, a prayer that Jesus taught earlier in the book of John where he was teaching his disciples how to pray. But this is an intimate moment when he is faced with anxiety. Have any of you ever had an anxious moment in your life? Three of you. I was trying to picture the anxiety of Jesus knowing that his life on earth was about to come to an end. He was about to fulfill what God had wanted him to do by going to the cross. He was within hours of being arrested. And in all of this anxiety, he has this intimate conversation with the Father. And about it, he speaks only of those that he loves. The first thing that he demonstrates as he's preparing for this transition of his life into a time of actually becoming the sacrifice is he indicates that he loves them and he prays for them with thanksgiving. Now, he doesn't use the word thanksgiving in the prayer, but he demonstrates how much he loves those that the Father has given him in everything that he says about them. Jesus acknowledged said, first of all, everybody that you have given to me, they belong to you first, God. You, as the Heavenly Father, Everybody that's in existence was created by you. You own them and they belong to you. And I thank you, Father, for trusting me with these whom you've given to me. There's an aspect of our prayer as we learn to pray for one another that needs to be thankful for each other. I've I've mentioned many times that uh, the Christian walk is not one to be walked in isolation. It's a decision that you make individually, but following that decision to individually say, I accept you, Lord, and I'm going to become a follower of you, you join into a body of Christ that builds one another up, that adds strength to each other. We add value to each other's life. We elevate one another in the way that we treat each other and the way that we encourage one another. In other words, I give thanks to God that I'm not in this alone. 
I give thanks to God that the testimonies that we heard this morning can ring a bell in our heart because we recognize that's the same place I came from. And we celebrate with the new believers as they begin to take this journey together because we've all come that way and we walk together. So there's this thankfulness that we express as we pray for one another. Jesus was offering thanks to God for the relationships that he had with these disciples. I'm certain that the disciples could look back over the three years of walking with Jesus and that each of them may have had various things that stuck out to them that were uh, developmental in their relationship with Jesus or conversations that they may have had. But he was very grateful for the connection that he had had with these special people. And so as we are learning to pray one for another, I would ask you to start in your prayer by being thankful that we have a connection with each other, that God has brought us into one another's life for the purpose of encouraging each other. Jesus expressed appreciation that God had put fishermen Tax collectors, zealots, together for one purpose. And you begin to look at the vastly different personalities of that group. And you can begin to see why the diversity in the church is so important. Oh, how I'm thankful that we are not all the same. I'm thankful that we don't all look the same. I'm thankful that we don't all think the same. I'm thankful that we have various interests and differing backgrounds and different views on on issues, that we can have healthy discussion. There's There's a balance that God brings in the diversity of his people. And Jesus was expressing gratitude for that and giving credit to God for bringing this group of people together. And as he's praying for them, he's expressing, oh, how thankful I am. For these whom you have given me. One of the important parts, and in just a few weeks we're going to be accepting new members into the church. And In fact, for some that were baptized today, that was one of the qualifications to become a member. The aspect of membership is a sense of belonging. And the sense of belonging is one that comes from a thankfulness of other people. And so this is all expressed as we begin to pray one for another. And the best way to move through transitions, moving through times when we find it difficult to pray, is enjoying the benefits of those that we pray for and thanking God for everything that they are about and the kind of people they are and for bringing them into your life. The second part of this prayer that is highlighted within the prayer of Jesus is that Jesus prays with petitions. He asks certain things here. It also gives us an idea of how we can pray for other people as well within this. In verses 11 through 19, as we were reading, there were a number of different requests that were made. In verse 11, to begin with, Jesus asked God that he would protect these people that he loves. Jesus knew that within a matter of hours that he was going to be offering his life and While he was going to be going through the pain of crucifixion, he also recognized that this was going to fulfill Scripture and that within a matter of hours, he would be resurrected and restored to that place in heaven where he had come from. But he knew that he was leaving these men behind him. And we all know that living on earth is not a safe place. And so he said, Father God, the way that I pray for them is that, first of all, that you would protect them 
I know that they are going to be living in places where there's going to be ongoing trials and there's going to be ongoing temptations and they are going to be constantly assaulted by the evil one. And so, Lord, before I finish my job, Father, as I'm praying for them, would you add an element of protection around them? Now, I know that we who are parents probably pray for protection over our children every day as we launch them out into uh, the school systems and launch them out into areas where we can't see them. I encourage husbands to, to put your arms around your wives and pray for them and add God's blessing to their life before they go out to work or whatever they do and wives to pray for your husbands. We need to learn to pray for each other in a way that God adds the element of his protection around us. I often pray, Lord, let your presence be as a fiery wall that would stand against the enemy who seeks to destroy those that you love so that they can see your power and recognize, don't fool with your people, O God. And as Jesus is praying for them, he adds that the, um, uh, the ability of protecting them comes, number one, from the power of God's name. This is important for each of us to know. He says, Lord, your name is powerful. I want you to know that in moments of crisis, those who love him and know him, the first name we call is the name of Jesus. There's something comforting in a crisis about the name of Jesus. There's something comforting about his presence that instantly is there in those moments. There's something comforting about being able to pray for one another and say, and I seal this in the name that is above every name because in that name it releases and activates our prayer to one another. And so he says, there's a power in your name, Father. Protect them by the power of your name. He also says, protect them by uniting them as one just as you and I are one, Father. Once again, We are confronted within this intimate prayer with Jesus. He's asking that, God, you would bring your people into unity. There is a protection in unity with one another. Now, there are those of you that like being alone. You like isolation. You have built walls and that you're very comfortable just living in your own world. But I want you to know that you are missing out on one of the protections that God allows us to have by breaking down walls and allowing others in so that in the unity of the Spirit we might find a protection from the things that the enemy would desire to do for us. So clearly Jesus understood that the unity of the body under the banner of his powerful name in combination with a people that love one another or in unity one another, is a powerful combination in the way that we can pray for those uh, of us and those of us around us. Another petition that Jesus made in this prayer that teaches us how we can pray for one another is he said, fill them with joy. Fill them with joy, he says in verse 13. Jesus did not want his disciples to be overly grieved about his upcoming arrest and crucifixion. He knew they were going to be shocked enough as it was. So he asked the Father in prayer for them that he would give them a full measure of his joy. Now, I've looked at that verse many times, and I've often wondered, what what does a full measure of Jesus' joy look like in our lives 
We do know that the word joy and the word happiness are not the same thing. And so if happiness is your goal, it's possible that you can be full of the joy of the Lord and not be experiencing a circumstance in your life presently that would bring you to happiness. But joy is something that comes from way down in the depths of your spirit that is motivated and created by a relationship with Jesus Christ that regardless of what you see with your eyes and regardless of what's taking place on the outside is motivated from the fact that I know this world is not all there is. I have a peace in my spirit. I can close my eyes at night. I can go to sleep in peace regardless of the chaos around me because I have a measure of joy that comes from being in relationship with Jesus Christ that he releases within me because of my relationship with him. And Jesus was saying, Father, in the circumstances that they are about to see, in the circumstances that they are about to walk through, would you release this full measure of joy so that even in their grief and sadness, they can have a sustaining peace that will hold them through these difficult times. He has told us in his word, from the very beginning when Jesus came, the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you Good news of great joy. The presence of the Lord is about to come on the earth. That's the presence of joy. He says in John 15 that they would remain in his love and that their joy would be complete. In John 16, 20, Jesus told them that their grief would be turned into joy. Wherever Jesus is, there's joy. Wherever Jesus is. So when we pray for one another, let's pray that God would fill each each of us with a measure, the full measure of his joy. And finally, Jesus asked as he was adding the petitions of God that God would sanctify his disciples in verse 17. In other words, he said, Lord, continue to do a work within them, Father, so that they can continue to be more and more like you. This wasn't just a prayer for their bodies or their physical needs. Jesus prayed that God would purify the disciples' hearts and minds through the words of the Scripture, helping them to live according to spiritual truth. So when we pray for one another, we should pray that God would bring protection. We should pray that God would bring the fullness of His joy, the fullness of His presence alive within us, and that we should pray that as we read and study and devour the Word, that there will be a sanctifying nature that comes from that, that leads us into truth, that brings us to a place where we look more and more like Him and less and less like the world that we came from. And so He's taught us to pray with these petitions to one another. And lastly, within this prayer... He prays with a sense of release. Jesus gives in his prayer this idea of, Father God, you've given them to me, and I'm about to depart from this world. I am putting them back into your hands. I'm putting them back into your hands. That means, how many of you have heard the term let go and let God? Any of you have ever heard that term? Uh, I will admit to you that I have discovered that's an easy statement and hard to live by. But there is this aspect of Jesus' prayer as he's beginning to talk to the Father and saying, Lord, I am releasing these men into your hands. You gave them to me, and while I walked with them, I did everything in my power to show them what you were like. But now that I'm leaving, I have to release them to you. And I know that you are more than capable 
of doing everything that needs to be done within their life. Within our prayer life, this perhaps is one of the greatest lessons that we can learn is that when you give something to God, leave it in His hands. There's a sense of release that comes. When He tells us to be anxious for nothing, it's because we have given Him those things which cause us disturbance in our spirit, which cause us anxiousness, and we let Him keep those. I was thinking of that verse, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And I was thinking about that. I'm a fisherman, and I know that when I cast out a lure, I reel it back in. He's talking about an idea of casting something out to him or placing it upon his shoulders or giving it to him in such a way that we don't reel it back. You know, you can watch the thing coming right back to you if you reel it back. He's talking about the aspect of releasing in prayer to him the aspect of, Father, you have the capabilities of doing things I do not do. So I'm going to quit being worried about it. I'm going to quit being anxious about it. I'm simply going to say, you know my life, you know my direction. Here's what's going on. I lay it out before you and I'm taking my hands off of it so that you can begin to do a supernatural work in what I can't fix on my own. And so how did Jesus release them? He acknowledged that all that, they, all that he had and all that they were belonged to God in the first place. So let me wrap this up. By shifting this to us in a couple of ways. In the book of Philippians, Paul speaks to us. Paul's writing from prison. And in Philippians chapter 2, in in verses 1 through 5, he gives us a sense of, of how we can pray for one another when he says this. If you have any encouragement, excuse me, from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so Paul begins to describe a way that one of the ways that we can pray is by understanding that everybody around you this morning, everybody within this sanctuary has a value that you need to recognize and so that as you join them in prayer, and in just a few minutes I'm going to give you some instructions on what we can do and then we're going to pray one with another but that there is a value to them. Even when you are going through issues yourself, there's, there's something releasing about praying with somebody else for the needs that they may have within their life that just allows you to say, Lord, I'm praying for them even though you know what's going on in my life and even though it's capturing all of my thoughts and all of my energy, I'm going to give of myself and think of them more highly than I think of me and give you the opportunity to do something in both of us. And Paul follows that up in Philippians 4, 6 with this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. I'm going to ask our ushers if you would please prepare to grab the prayer forms that are on the the back uh, uh, wall here, and I would going to ask that each one of you be presented with it's a prayer request form 
It's got the year 2017 on the top of it. This week, we are going to be laying these needs out on this altar. And every night, we're going to be coming. And as we gather together for prayer, there will be a time when we will each take one or two or three of these needs. And and we will intercede for you. Now, as these are handed out, you can feel comfortable to put your name on them if you want. And if you would prefer just to put an unspoken request, you can write the request out. You don't have to put your name on it if you don't want to. Whatever level of comfort you have. But we are going to be praying for one another this week. We started doing this a couple of years ago. One of the things that astounded me In fact, I had just outlined a whole year's worth of of direction for what I wanted to do in the Scripture for the year. And after I read the things that were taking place in the lives of people that I had had no idea, God redirected us. And and we had a a completely different kind of year because of of the healing that needed to take place in lives as a result of things that were going on. And I I have come to discover that oftentimes we get very closed mouth about things that within our own life when the Lord says, this is a community of believers. In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. In fact, if you would come now, worship team. And and, and they're going to begin to play some music. And I want you to take a couple of minutes and, and think, what do you want other people to join you in prayer for that you can write down? And then following that, we're going to spend a couple of minutes in conclusion by just finding somebody nearby to pray with you, to pray with you so that we can instantly begin to bond together. Some of you find your life right now in great joy and things are going well. Hallelujah. Enjoy the season. Some of you are in seasons of uncertainty. There are things that are taking place that you're, you're not certain how God is leading and directing and you need to hear the clarity of His voice. Some of you right now are in a boat in the middle of the storm and you don't know if you're going to survive. When you're in those times, it's also nice to have people that have been in that situation that have seen God move them through that can come alongside of you and say, let me give you hope. The job's not done. God's still on the throne. He's working. Some of you are in need of physical healing or you know people in your family that are. But I want you to take this time as the music plays and say, Lord, what do you want me to reveal so that others can join me and we learn to pray one for another? I want you to take a couple of minutes.
I'm going to ask our, our deacons and their spouses if they would please make their way to the front. Some of you know others in here quite well, and some of you are relatively new, and you don't know very many people. We're going to end this morning by praying for one another. And if there's really nobody here that you know well enough that you would just say, would you just join me in praying, and here's my need, and and sharing with one another, then I want you to feel comfortable in coming to those whom the congregation says these are people of spiritual maturity that you can trust and that you'd have somebody that you can come and just share with and understand that there is a, a level of trust here. If there are things that your, your friend shares with you in confidence, then please keep those things in confidence. Keep those on your personal prayer list. And then at the end of this time of prayer, I'm going to ask that you would bring your requests and just lay them on the altar point of a release for you. Okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to lay this here and I know that other people is going to come and join me throughout this week in, in praying for this and I'm going to believe that you are going to be at work within this. And I'm going to trust you in this, Lord, as you bind us together in a love and sincerity for each other. Won't you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask that you would look around. Go to somebody you know. Put an arm around them, preferably men with men and women with women, and just say, is there something that I can pray with you about? And in about three minutes, I'm going to conclude the service in prayer, but I want us to interact for just a few minutes and taking what we've learned in the Word today and beginning to apply it in a very real way. And if there's, again, somebody that you may not know here, then then please feel free to come to the front and and join with those of our deacons. Well, won't you interact for a couple of moments? I'm going to ask if you want to bring your, your requests up and if you would lay them here on the altar so that they can be available for us to pray for all week long as we come and Let me conclude in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, you're binding hearts together. Just as you and the Father are one, we want to be one. In unity. In a love for one another. In a sense of protecting each other in prayer and in the Word. You prayed such an intimate prayer with the Father and then you said, now I want it applied among my people. So Lord God, I pray as we seek your face, that you would give us the ability to apply this very real and very powerfully in our own lives as we connect with each other. I ask this week would be a week full of miracles and that requests that are laid on this altar, that this is step one in the way that you want to answer and testimonies will flow as a result of our willingness to abide in you. So I pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Lord bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord.